It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to tonight's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on the programme this evening, our resident wine expert Ron Forrestal from Forrestal Wine Merchants has Christmas gift suggestions as well as wine pairing recommendations for the Christmas dinner. Courtney Sheehy will join us to tell us about the Food Share Carry Initiative And finally, at the end of the programme, artisan chocolatier Anna Coffey-Lynch will share her story about starting her business bra during a pandemic. But before we hear from tonight's guests, let me tell you how to get in touch with me here at The Best Possible Taste. You can make contact by emailing me, s.noonan at live.ie, or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. And I'm also on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So as Christmas approaches, we will be starting our present shopping and planning the Christmas dinner. Whilst it's definitely going to be different this year, one thing is for sure in many households, and that is the wine. There will be wine. I met Ron Forrestal at a safe distance at the Forrestal Wine Merchants Depot to find out what he suggests for gifts and what goes best with the Christmas turkey. Let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Ron, great to see you again. Thanks, Sharon. We're coming up to the busy time of year with Christmas, and today we're going to look at a selection of the gifts that you have on offer that people might enjoy, especially at this time of the year. I think that, you know, certainly from my perspective, I have too much stuff. I don't want more stuff. So things like wine that yes, yeah, don't take up any space after a certain <laughs> amount of time in the house are always very welcome. And I think there's nothing nicer than getting a really lovely quality bottle of wine as a gift. Yes, we find uh, what happens at Christmas every year um, is that people's um, both their taste and their spend kind of moves up a couple of brackets um, because they like something nice and it's the well years past that have people around and they'd like to have something good to drink but even themselves now it's been such a long and hard uh, few months that people like to treat themselves so our offering on, on gifts and, and special packaging has increased dramatically over the years but this year we have some amazing packaging some um, what we do is that we basically to any budget you have we can have a single bottle two bottles three four six twelve in a cardboard box, wooden box, in a premium wooden box, whatever you, whatever you need. Um, and they're a lovely mix, you can put anything into them. So you can tailor it to somebody who likes white, likes red, um, likes Prosecco, bowls, champagne, whatever. But they're working very well. So the budget, what would you say is a reasonable budget to start at? And I presume it can go up to whatever however like, much. Yeah. yeah, whatever you like. Well, really, um, you need to be spending around 10 euros a bottle on wine. Um, to to get to the kind of quality level that that and and most of our wine all fits around that kind of bracket starts that, and every euro you spend after that then the quality increases generally. Because that's something that we've talked about before about first of all the price of the actual bottle, the labour, and the tax. And the, the tax, tax is, is very a huge high. Thing. Yeah, huge part of that of that ten euros, 
uh, and nearly six euros is taken up between um, fat and, and excise so that's it's a huge part of it um, but if you spend 12 euros 14 16 then the quality of the wine increases dramatically um, so really you could get two nice bottles of wine in a real nice presentation box for 22 24 euros and they're individual they can be tailored to other people like Pinot Grigio like Sauvignon Blanc like Malbec whatever it is we can put whatever you like into it fabulous whenever it comes to white wine is Sauvignon Blanc still the most popular white wine in Ireland it is not as not as um, as popular as it used to be uh, Pinot Grigio is still quite popular Chardonnay is making a big comeback um, people are liking the kind of smooth easy drinking style of Chardonnay um, Chenin Blanc is doing well uh, Vionnier, um, a whole variety of, of grape varieties from particularly the south of France is doing really well I personally, I do like Chardonnay, but I find Chardonnay doesn't agree with me. I think we've had this conversation before. It makes me very angry for some reason. But this ABC, anything but Chardonnay, where did that come from? Did it come from the Bridget Jones movie or did it come from somewhere else? It just came from a, a style, um, and probably in the UK and Ireland, that was more prevalent than anywhere else, because people start, were drinking Chardonnay first, like the first bottles of wine that would have been popular in Ireland, like your Wolf Blast and those were all Chardonnay. But what people found was that it's, it's not easy to drink a lot of Chardonnay. It's, it's fine for two or three glasses. That tends to be the, the end of it. It's a food, um, it's a food wine, so it's, you really need to eat with it. Uh, whereas Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Grigio, much easier to drink. Sauvignon Blanc is very fresh, uh, which means you can have a cup of glass, which you can drink in a bar where you're not eating at all, maybe. Pinot Grigio is nice and dry and clean, so it's um, very easy to drink as well. Uh, it can be really chilled, really cold. And that suited people. Um, whereas, whereas we just don't have a tradition of matching food and wine together. So uh, wine has become a drink in Ireland, which is great, absolutely. Why wouldn't it? And for people then that would have the traditional Christmas dinner, like the turkey with all the trimmings, would you recommend white wine to go with that? Yeah, we said this before. It's 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 a really difficult one to put to match wine to this Christmas dinner because it's not really about the turkey. It's more about what's with the turkey is the is the issue because turkey is a fairly bland meat on its own. But the fact that you have the trimmings, which tend to be high highly flavoured um, uh, pretty strong means that a lot of white wines kind of die on their feet uh, with that so oftentimes picking a, a kind of medium body red is probably a much better idea um, something like you know Pinot Noir to start with or maybe even a Merlot not Malbec or that because that will take over completely but something medium bodied if I was to ask you about your Christmas day and you get up in the morning do you have a little tipple yourself there with Bernie and the family and you know do you have a whole program of drinks that you enjoy throughout the day it's uh, yeah it's not it's not that organized um uh, bernie bernie had does a great job um but we were very busy up to that point um uh, right up to christmas eve so christmas day it tends to be uh, we don't go anywhere we haven't gone anywhere for years um we have some neighbors over in the morning which won't be happening this year um and that's been a tradition for a long time um, and what would you serve them if they were coming uh, a sparkling um i i Prosecco, um, uh, we have cava, which is very nice. Uh, we have a Crimant de Loire, which is really nice, um, a French sparkling. Uh, a couple of glasses of that, um, that's enough early in the day. If I, if I had more than a couple of glasses before 2pm, I'd be asleep for 
the rest of the day. I know myself growing up with a family with fruit shops that, you know, it is your your flat to the mat right until the last minute and there's always somebody that has forgotten a bag of Brussels sprouts. <laughs> there's an SOS yeah, there's phone that. call that yeah. there are no Brussels sprouts <laughs> left or there's something seriously wrong with the ordering if there are Brussels sprouts left on, on Christmas Eve. But as you say, you probably come in on Christmas Eve and you just want a nice cool beer and to, to yeah, plop down. There's a lot of that, yeah, absolutely. And it's... Um, and it's uh, kids are older now as well, so it's it's um, they're in the same boat. A lot of them, you know, they work in the kind of industry. Most of them do as well, so they're they're tend to be pretty busy. But we all make sure we're off uh, Christmas Day and Stephen's Day as well. I don't do anything for those two days. And what would you drink then with your Christmas dinner? You personally, what would you have? Yeah, I, I it's it's uh, I, I tend to drink red, so it's um, and uh, going against my previous advice, I'd pick something heavier than that because I just like something with a bit of body in it and. Uh, Turkey, um, we haven't actually had turkey for the last three or four years. So What do you have? We have beef, yeah. Uh, the kids rather it. And um, um, Bernie stays away from anything that has walked around the next stage. <laughs> so um, we were limited on that end. But uh, now we have a nice bit of fillet and it's lovely. Yeah. Lovely. And of course, Bernie's a great cook. She does she is, all yeah, the yeah, cooking. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. You're yeah, very lucky. Absolutely. Very lucky. Yeah, very lucky. <laughs> Christmas pudding, do you have it? Actual Christmas pudding? Uh, no, 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 never. I don't know if we've ever had one. I've had it in ice cream, as in uh, Christmas pudding ice cream. I've never liked it. Okay. Uh, I think my mother had some really failed attempts at it in my youth that, <laughs> that put me off it. <laughs> and if somebody wanted, a, would you put a dessert wine with Christmas pudding? Would oh, you yeah, have? I love dessert wine. It's one of the things I collect them, um, so I... I would have uh, a lot of them in the house. The thing is to find company to drink with is the problem. Because um, once you open the bottle... Yes, it, and it, they're half bottles in fairness. Uh, the majority of them are all half bottles, but it's a, it's a glass or a glass and a half. Luckily, I have, I've, I have a, an Italian brother-in-law who, um, who was always great help uh, for anything that you... Uh, that you're willing to open and have a look at but they're amazing they're lovely and we have a New Zealand one there from the Ned which is a really light dessert wine fantastic beautiful tin to me that's just perfect it's just lovely chilled not over chilled uh, over chilled and you just cover up all the flavour because they're, they're very sweet they're almost syrupy so not over chilled but chilled yeah absolutely okay and you were saying they're a glass and a half I kind of thought a dessert wine it was like a sherry portion yeah, yeah the recommended measure for it is a third of a glass so that's what you like you take a large sherry glass which has been a traditional schooner sherry glass and that's a measure for dessert wine so it's about um, 50 mil maybe um, and that and, and a nice glass a nice tulip glass that's lovely you mentioned Ned there, which is New Zealand mm. and is, I'd say, a very popular brand now. A it big, is, yeah. A big rival to somebody like the Cloudy Bay, for example. It is. Now, we carry a number of, of New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc um, uh, from Tohu, Kono, uh, carry Cloudy Bay as well. But yeah, Ned has been a stable, uh, in this, our stable of wines for the last um, seven or eight years. Fantastic product, has huge fans. Uh, and particularly at Christmas, we have people who come back every Christmas to buy it, just like having it in the house. Yeah, it's nice to have. Nice it's lovely. Have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. But yeah, it's uh, and the New Year has uh, has been a uh, always been a great time for us as well. Now again, this year is going to be completely different than normal. But we feel that people have been very good to us over the the year. 
Um, obviously, our business is concentrated in restaurants and hotels, and that has been uh, non-existent for certain months of the year. But um, we're hugely thankful to our local customers who have uh, been um, fantastic, really, um, over that time, and we really appreciate it. The shop local ethos is really it's oh, it more is. important now than it ever was. It always yeah. has been important, but now more than ever. It is, it is, uh, because you know we have huge competition in that business with supermarkets and, and that. But I suppose we offer something a bit different, and and the products we're really uh, dedicated to the producers that we have, and that we can stand over what we have and what we sell. And people really appreciate that. And we have a huge range of culinary five and a wines now at the moment. So that gives people some real choice and stuff that you don't see in supermarkets a lot because it's not that trendy and it's not that fashionable. And um, people like that. A lot of the time people just look for... They, 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 I get a text message where you drop off 12 bottles of red and they, they don't make any... They don't specify what they want in that case. And we put together a nice mix of a couple of bottles of six different wines... And uh, you have to get a couple of bottles. Nothing worse than getting one bottle. Because what are you going to do with that? So we tend to mix it in the, in twos or threes, and that gives people a lovely choice. Then and they don't know what's coming, so it's it's um, it's a nice surprise. Well, and there's nothing worse if you've only got one bottle and it's a really nice one. Yeah, and yeah. You want to, yeah you exactly. You, you need two anyway, at least, yeah. just to have that. So, and we do half bottles as well. Big range of half bottles, and they've been going really well for. You know, when somebody wants to, to have a nice glass of white or a nice glass of red and maybe have another bottle of something else as well. So that works well. And of course, one of the huge advantages of you delivering is that people aren't looking in your basket or your trolley and seeing how much alcohol you have Yeah, yeah there's there. that, yeah. And we, you know, we have great service around um, West Limerick, you know, North Kerry. Um, I'm on the road every day. So we're very flexible and we're very um, uh, discreet and we're very... Um, you know abiding by all the the regulations uh, when delivering so that's worked very well and people are great for them you're doing videos at the moment on facebook where you talk about the different wines yes yes uh, that was on your advice to be honest a few months ago but um and then my daughter my daughter mia is um and laura both but mia has taken it on board and she's doing a bit of work with us so She's a um, big fan of Instagram and, and, and that, so she's been pushing that hard. And I have no idea what most of it is, but it, it's uh, she handles that into it. So it's great. It's worked well. Um, I, I've never, I never planned on making videos, um, if I could avoid it. Uh, if anyone knows me, that's very unusual for me to show up in a photograph or a video. But um, they work well. There's a bit of interaction. You can probably get a bit more point across a bit better than showing stills and that. But... Listen, Facebook has been fantastic. Facebook has been a real uh, asset to us. Um, it probably has the profile of the customer we're, we're, we get, probably are using Facebook a bit. So that's great. Listen, it's, we try and use everything we can. Well, I think a lot of people are engaging more in social media now because they've more time maybe mm. to invest in it. Whereas before, whenever you're on the road constantly and you have a million other things to do, the things that you don't really like doing, like social media, do tend, and you didn't need to do it, they tend to yeah. to, to fall to the bottom of the, the to-do list. But, I mean, certainly I'm a great advocate for the social media and using it to, to spread yeah, yeah absolutely. What you do. Yeah, sure. It's very important, and it's uh, you know because the, the you know the the traditional media is is great, but it's hugely expensive for small companies. So to find a way of of reaching a, a captured audience, um, 
you know, where it doesn't involve huge cost is, is, um, is the only way for, for smaller companies. So it's been great. Yeah, we're delighted. And great to have Mia and Laura, your daughters, involved at. My nine-year-old daughter made a video the other day where one minute she was like this and then the next minute she was wearing something completely <laughs> oh, different. Yeah. And I said, I think I could have a job for you. Why did you do that? Yeah, so, they're great. They're amazing, aren't they? Yeah, the uh, younger generation, the way they just pick it up is amazing. Yeah, and luckily my daughters are very critical. Um, so... <laughs> It's they they edit uh, pretty good on everything I do, particularly Mia. So um, listen, it's great to have the help. Listen, I'm delighted to all the kids have been involved one way or other. Um, and burning, so I'm delighted that they they are interested, and it's uh, because it's um, it's it you know it's it's a lonely business a lot of the time you know where you spend a lot of time on your own. So it's great to have the kids oh, involved. Well, listen, we wish you all the best for a busy Thanks Christmas. All your range is on the website there, Forestal.ie. Website, uh, Facebook is probably our best place to get Forestal Wine Merchants. That's the most up-to-date because we can change that on a daily basis and some great offers and stuff. So just give us a call. Fantastic. Well, listen, I won't wish you a Merry Christmas. It's a bit <laughs> too early to do that. But um, thanks a million for, for talking to me today. And best thanks, Sharon. Appreciate it. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, Ron Forrestal from Forrestal Wine Merchants shared his Christmas gift suggestions as well as his wine pairing recommendations for the Christmas dinner. If you are just tuning in now, you might want to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Still to come tonight, artisan chocolatier Anna Coffey Lynch will share her story about starting her business bra during a pandemic. Next, though, we're going to address the very serious issue of food banks and food poverty. Foodshare Kerry is based in Tralee and it's all about spreading surplus and reducing waste. Courtney Sheehy joins us by Zoom to tell us more about the initiative. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Courtney, you're very welcome to the programme this evening. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me and you're going to tell us about Food Share Kerry. Can you give us a bit of background to the organisation, please? Food Share Kerry is an initiative created by St. Vincent de Paul and North East and West Kerry Development in response to the problems of both food waste and food poverty. So we currently operate as the only food bank in Kerry. We take feed, which is food from the European Union's Fund for the Most Deprived, along with surplus food from local businesses and suppliers. We collect it, grade it, and then redistribute it to over 30 organisations throughout the county, from soup kitchens to homeless services to family resource centres. And by partnering with these community organisations, we can ensure that those most vulnerable and those most marginalised are getting the food support that they need. How long has the organisation been going? Is it very well established at this stage? 
I believe it was originally established in 2015 and was originally run by volunteers. And then in 2018, we managed to become a CSP or a community services program and got funding for three full-time members of staff under Pubble. Um, so since 2018, we've really been able to um, focus a lot of time and energy into the organization um, and really get our roots within the community. It's very interesting to hear that the organization started as a result of volunteers because obviously those are people on the ground that see that there is a need for an initiative like this on their on their doorstep. So food poverty is something that is very serious at the moment and has always been very serious that people may not be aware that it's it's not a certain type of person. It's not necessarily an unemployed person. It's not a person with an addiction. Like it's something that can affect people in all walks of life. Yeah, um, I think that especially during um, the, the current pandemic, it's really highlighted the class of people that could be called maybe the working poor, people that have a full-time job and have a mortgage and have a house, but are living paycheck to paycheck because expenses are so high. So we saw, especially back in March in the first lockdown, a huge surge of people that had um, recently lost their job and lost their income um, and were waiting for a COVID payment and just didn't have the financial ability to carry themselves on for that two or three weeks to meet their bills and to, um, to meet any of their financial commitments. Um, normally food poverty isn't really the problem. The problem is the wider issue of poverty and food poverty is a symptom. The food budget is normally the most flexible budget out of um, all the bills that we have, and that's normally the one that gets cut immediately. Um, and for us, while there's um, a similar part problem of food being wasted, using that food to support families while financially they can um, use that money to pay other bills and um, meet their other commitments is, is a nice answer and it's a nice way to bridge the gap between both food waste and food poverty. Yeah, because I think, you know, if we go into the supermarket now and to do a weekly shop, if you're thrifty and if you plan properly, you actually can buy your shopping for a reasonable amount of money. However, we are all very hung up on paying the mortgage or paying the rent as the number one priority. And I read um, a blog post recently, and it was by a lady up the country who had been affected a number of years ago by the tracker mortgage. She basically was on a tracker mortgage. She had a very reasonable mortgage repayment, but then they were they were charging her more and it, it, it shouldn't have happened, but it did happen. And it's all sorted out now. But she wrote a very interesting piece about how to prioritize your income and what what needs to come first. And especially if you have children about, you know, making sure that they're, they are fed and making sure that the lights are on, that you have power and you have heat. And then the, the mortgage and the rent should come at the end of that. Now, maybe banks and landlords wouldn't necessarily <laughs> agree with that. But it is something that I think communication and opening that line of communication with either your mortgage provider or your landlord is it's hugely important not to sit on these things and spend all your time worrying internally about them like have a conversation with somebody 
in one of the the organisations like MAPS or all those different places that are there, the St. Vincent de Paul, like there's no shame attached to asking for help. Absolutely not. I think there is a huge stigma surrounding um, food poverty or not having enough finances or struggling a little bit. But the reality is um, the majority of people are struggling. Either they don't have the financial ability or they don't have the knowledge to be able to um, balance their income or to access things that are, are readily available to them. And there's a reason that community organisations are there. And there's the reason that services like MAPS and St. Vincent de Paul and family resource centres or um, social care workers, they're all there to support our community and to support the individuals within our community. And it's really important to access those things even just for the, um, the, like you said, the support, the emotional support. Um, sometimes you just need a person to look at your situation from the outside in because it's really hard to see out of the darkness when you're in it yourself. Um, just for that little bit of guidance or emotional support, even if necessarily you might need the financial um, side of it. And I mean, people are certainly not alone because do you have any statistics there in terms of the number of people using your resource? Um, yeah, again, because we um, partner so closely with um, so many community organisations in Kerry, um, this year alone we have um, provided food or some sort of support to over 10,000 individuals in our county alone. Um, and they range from... Um, people needing a one-time support uh, just through the, the month of March while they're waiting for their COVID payment to people who need consistent support throughout the months while they get their finances together, while they um, start working with organisations like MABS or a family resource centre um, to, to pull themselves up a little bit. So just explain to us how a typical week works because you have said there that the programme is a collaboration between North and East Kerry Development and St Vincent de Paul and you've worked with supermarkets such as Supervalue in the past and at the moment Dunn's is currently your supermarket partner. Yeah, Due to the nature of surplus food, um, everything is quite erratic because you can't plan how much food is going to be left over. So um, we're almost constantly on guard waiting for a phone call that there is there is food available for collection. So in a general week, um, we would send out our monthly deliveries. Um, which is the feed products from um, the Fund for the Most Deprived. And then um, sporadically, whenever an organisation has um, food left over, so Duns would send us a text message saying, we have this certain amount of food, um, can you come and collect it? So then we collect the food, bring it back to the warehouse, sort through it to see um, what could be reused and redistributed to families. If there's a larger volume that could be distributed to a community group. And we try and um, break down between the groups. So if we know that um, a community organization such as Bolivara, um, which is an elderly service, is going to be creating meals, then fresh fruit and vegetables would be something they need. If we know it's a family resource center, um, then uh, canned goods and ambient goods and things that have a longer shelf life would go to them. Um, then each week we would make up individual food hampers for families working with St. Vincent de Paul and deliver them to Trillian and surrounding areas. 
And with the pandemic at the moment, especially coming up to Christmas, you know, this is something that we were talking about last week on the programme. A number of organisations that would usually do collections of food for hampers, they're not able to do it this year because of the pandemic and just because, you know, they might not have access to as many volunteers as before or they have made the decision that the risk of the, because of the pandemic is just too high so what changes are you seeing, at, especially at this time of the year, as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, um, so at the start of the pandemic, we found the amount of surplus that was available to us had increased to about seven times the usual amount because businesses, restaurants, cafes were all closing down. So there was an immediate rush to try and collect all this food so that I wouldn't get wasted. We also found that the amount of people um, that would normally try to access our services or would try and access the services or, of our community partners also increased um, even up to now, which is a few months later. Um, we know that St. Vincent de Paul's um, number of families have doubled compared to January um, at the start of this year, while at the same time um, we're increasing our services but um, and increasing our impact as much as possible. But we also couldn't have volunteers within our warehouse to protect our staff and our operational costs increased hugely because now we're, we're driving and collecting um, seven times the normal amount and um, delivering to double the amount of people. But fundraising activities had um, halted completely. Um, so our income had decreased an awful lot while our service had increased. So I think it was the same for a lot of community groups um, throughout the county that uh, costs increased dramatically over the time. But um, income and any income generation activities that you'd normally do, even if it's something as small as bag packing or street collections have completely stopped. So I think that's an ongoing challenge we're going to have to overcome in the coming months. And yeah, absolutely something that all charities are experiencing. So we've talked a bit about St. Vincent de Paul and how you partner with them because they would be at the cold face there. They know a lot of the families that are, are in need in their areas. But also hunger in the classroom is a huge issue where teachers are seeing more and more children arriving at school and they're they're hungry. Yeah, um, recently we partnered with a school based in Tralee that teachers had been noticing a lot of the pupils coming in um, tired and lethargic, uh, quite hungry or with small volumes of lunch. And the teachers themselves started um, putting together a pool of money to purchase food products for these pupils in the morning, setting up um, a kind of impromptu breakfast club but once word got out, I think the volume of pupils that wanted to access this club got really overwhelming. So we've partnered with this school to, to provide breakfast food products and some ambient food so that um, students can continue throughout their day um, without the effects of um, food poverty negatively impacting them. Because there's, there's a huge problem of um, a perpetual cycle of food poverty. Um, especially starting in childhood, if you don't if you don't have uh, the correct nutrition or enough to eat, then you're not able to study throughout the day. You're not able to focus or concentrate as much. Your your education might be negatively impacted, and it follows a cycle that continues into adulthood. So it's really important to target um, pupils and schools at this time where it's most needed. 
So if somebody's listening and they want to do something to help, what way can they help? Can they donate money? Can they donate tinned goods, for example? What sort of help would you like from the general public at the moment? Absolutely. Uh, everything that you said. So for us, any any donation, be it financial or a food product, is greatly appreciated. Um, we also now are trying to, to navigate um, re-entering volunteers into our service because while we have um, a really wide impact, we are a very small organisation of just three core staff. So even uh, volunteers that take an hour or two out of their week um, to sort through some of the surplus food that we've um, collected um, or to sort through donations or activities like that are, are super, super vital for um, ensuring our service can continue on and that we can um, target the groups that are needed. And then in terms of somebody listening that might need help, um, I would certainly say, you know, the St. Vincent de Paul is a, is a good first port of call and do it now. Don't leave it to the last minute because obviously the more notice that the charities get in terms of the number of people they have to help, the better prepared they can be to meet everybody's needs. Absolutely. I think during this time, um, groups like St. Vincent de Paul um, and other other community organisations that work with families are completely overwhelmed by the volume of calls and requests for support. So um, they are there for you if you need help, but um, as soon as possible uh, to get in your request, because I think it's, it's taking um, a while for each person to be targeted. Um, and at the at the end of the day, most resources are limited. So the the faster you can come in with <laughs> with a request, then then the faster you can get support. Absolutely. And your web address is F for food, S K. So that stands for foodsharecarry.ie. And if people pop on there, they'll get more information. And there's contact information there as well. Yeah, we are always available by phone or email because we're always waiting for a call in surplus, so the phone is never off. <laughs> and we also have a Facebook page um, that's just Food Share Kerry, and we answer messages and questions on that as well. We've been a little bit slack on social media, but hopefully that's our 2021 New Year's resolution. Sharon, I'd like to take the opportunity to um, publicly thank a lot of the local businesses that supported our organisation um, during the pandemic, especially during the first lockdown back in March, we really found huge support in our local community. We had organisations like Phoenix Fruit and Veg and On a Scald Black Pudding um, donating thousands of euro of uh, food products to us. We had organisations like Dunstores, Deals and Rocket Deliveries making us their charity partners and setting up places for their customers to be able to donate food we had individuals who had just lost their jobs um volunteering their time and their skills uh, to us to support those most vulnerable and those most affected and i think for us especially it highlighted the importance of community and the importance of wherever possible supporting local food businesses because when when the chips are down they really have proven to be the pillars of our community Absolutely. And no better time of the year than now to be showing that support and returning the, the kindness that they have shown. Most definitely.
Thanks so much for talking to me this evening, Courtney. I really appreciate you taking the time and we hope that that people will support the organisation by making donations and equally that those in need will make the call and ask for the help that they deserve to have. Thank you so much for having me and for highlighting the issue. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break Courtney Sheehy from Foodshare Kerry gave us an excellent insight into the Tralee based initiative which addresses the very serious topic of food banks and food poverty. If you are familiar with a similar support group in the West Limerick area please get in touch with me here at the best possible taste by dropping me an email to s.noonan at live.ie so we can give it a shout out or find out more about how to get involved with it to support it. If you are just tuning in now, you might want to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. So our final guest this evening is one of the latest additions to the West Limerick culinary scene. Anna Coffey Lynch lives in Adair and she set up Bra, an artisan chocolatier, earlier this year. Let's talk to Anna now to find out about her journey from Coco Atelier in Dublin to pastry chef in Adair Manor to Bra. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Anna, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us this evening because I'm sure you're very, very busy at this time of the year as all chocolatiers are. And what a great story, Bra. You started Bra at the start of a pandemic. What inspired you to, to start your own business? Yes, so um, as a pastry chef, um, I was always used to working so much. And then when the pandemic struck and I found myself at home, I found that I had a lot of free time and I started making um, care packages for friends. I dropped them to their doorsteps around Limerick when I went out to do my weekly supermarket run. I was delivering boxes of baked goods um, and then I felt um, that it was had potential to grow even bigger once they had friend, my friends had family members sending me messages wondering if they could get a box too and pay for it. And eventually it just it kind of grew organically, I guess. Um, grew bigger and bigger over the weeks as, as lockdown continued. I, I thought it would only be a few weeks of lockdown. And then by um, May, June, I was full on sending boxes all over Ireland to people I'd, I'd never met or heard of. And the focus now is on bars of chocolate. Yes. So I've always had um, an interest in chocolate. I worked as the head chocolatier in Coco Atelier in Dublin for four years, just before I moved back to Limerick. And um, chocolate's always been my passion. I really enjoy working with chocolate. I've worked in all areas of the pastry section, but um, chocolate is a very unique skill. And I really enjoy um, that area of pastry. So I'd like to continue. I like the business has two areas. It has the broad the baking side and then it has the chocolate side. And I'd like to continue as long as I can with both areas, um, but definitely develop the chocolate aspect of it and one of the beauties about chocolate is that it's a very flexible product that you can apply different flavors to so you do have a special Christmas range 
Yeah, so that's one of the beauties of working with chocolate is um, the bars. Um, you can put any sort of filling in that you can think of, but really it's, you can just be as creative as you want to be. So for Christmas this year, I came up with um, some Christmas-inspired flavours. So I have a gingerbread caramel inside in the dark chocolate bar. And then um, the milk chocolate bar has a mince pie um, flavour. So it's uh, the milk chocolate, um, it's sprinkled with all the different fruits and dried berries that you would find in a mince pie, along with some shortbread crumble and um, cinnamon. So it's a real Christmassy flavour when you bite into it. And um, I think it captures it perfectly, really. They sound delicious. You must be very particular about your ingredients and where you source them and the quality of the ingredients. Yeah, so um, I, I've always wanted to work exclusively with as much local and Irish ingredients as possible. I found when, from my time in Coco Telly, there was a huge emphasis on that when um, I was there because um, Coco Telly would, um, the parent company would be LaRousse Foods and they're always, um, they've been very strong advocates of using local ingredients and Irish ingredients. So I had access to that during my time in Coco Telly and I think that stayed with me. So I use um, LaRousse as a supplier now and I have access to Things such as Ackle Island sea salt, which I use on my milk chocolate, hazelnut bar. Um, I use like local Irish milk and cream and butter everywhere possible. Um, and I'm always looking for local suppliers. I found during the summer, um, I haven't been able to use it yet, but like local honey suppliers from um, Limerick and um, just wherever possible, um, using small markets to buy my ingredients. And speaking of markets, providing restrictions lift as they are scheduled to do, you're hoping to actually go to a couple of markets to sell product yourself. Yeah, so I've been approached to, to do one or two markets in Limerick um, just before Christmas. So I'm really hoping to um, you know, be able to get out there and meet the customers and you know, talk to people in, in person about the bars and explain, I guess, um, you know, the different products that I have and where I'm coming from. So um, fingers crossed that restrictions will be lifted enough for the markets to go ahead and um, I'll get to, to get out there and, and present it. Because normally whenever somebody brings out a new product, they would take it to a market to kind of test it, to do a test run to see what the feedback is and how popular it is. So you've kind of had to do it the other way around because the markets weren't up and running and you've had to go online. That's where the product is available now. Yeah, so it's um, I've basically been making my husband eat a lot of chocolate and um, delivering chocolate to my friends and my family and asking them for feedback and... I suppose I, like I've been working with chocolate for so many years now, I kind of know um, different flavors as well, which might be you know, interesting to work with. So um, I guess I've had to just hope for the best. And people have been great giving feedback. You know, people, um, they understand small businesses um, these days need a little bit of extra support. So people have been emailing me, telling me, like, you know, I love that flavor or, you know, this is like a really great thing that you're doing. So it, it's been good. People have been very supportive and um, very helpful so far. And the business has grown so much that obviously you've had to move to a premises that is big enough to accommodate all the orders and all the, the time that you need to spend making the chocolate. Yeah, so originally it started, I suppose, at home, just kind of um, you know, in my kitchen and very quickly I had to move into um, a kitchen unit, a purpose-built like, space. So I have 
plenty of space here. I do all my chocolate work, my baking. I have like a wrapping area, a mini office area. So it's all out of the one the one space now. But um, it's definitely something which I'll probably outgrow this in not too long. I'm trying to work out where to put more storage and everything. But um, yeah, the business has grown so quickly. It's far bigger than a home baking business now at this point. It's mad now to think that you've started a business in less than a year. So things like product development, packaging, branding, marketing and PR, distribution, online selling, you have really accomplished so much in a short space of time. Yeah, and um, I had, um, I did, I looked for um, help with all the different aspects of the business from I suppose big due to the pandemic from local people. So um, my my branding, I had um, a local designer help me with that. She's um, Ellie. She's been great. She's redesigned the logo to make it much more professional. As I designed the original bra logo myself, quite hurriedly. So um, she's been working on new packaging for me, new um, all original designs, which I'll hopefully have in the next few weeks, um, probably to launch after Christmas. And um, then I. Um, I sought the help of uh, Chris Towers for marketing PR. He really catapulted the brand onto the national kind of um, social media. So uh, he he got my my business mentioned in so many publications and online. There were so many articles. So that's been great for for business. And I really I owe a lot to Chris for um, all the help he's given me. He took me on as a, a brand new business and. I, I barely had a table in the, the kitchen unit at the point when I met him, but he, he believed in the product. And um, so far, everybody along the way has been so supportive. I think they all believe, I think they see the, my enthusiasm and they, um, they want to get on board with it. But I'm still learning the ropes when it comes to packaging and product development. I'm, I'm trying to work on post-Christmas items at the moment, and it's, it's difficult, you know, to with being such a new business to um, to 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 get like organized and set up I suppose I need um, a bit of a quiet time maybe a lull <laughs> for a few weeks to get ahead yeah because it's very forward thinking of you to be thinking beyond Christmas because I'd say you're ex- you know this is a a very busy time for the products that you do and I mean in business we all say we've got to make hay while the sun shines so mm-hmm. post Christmas it's great that you're looking beyond Christmas and coming up with are you coming up with the nice low fat no calorie chocolate for us to enjoy post Christmas <laughs> I, I was thinking that usually in January people and um, the restaurants are always quiet and chocolate sales are always down but I feel like maybe this year nobody's going to be doing you know a healthy dry January <laughs> I think Christmas might be stretched out into January people will still be interested in I think it's the treat of buying yourself something nice in these, these times I buy myself you know chocolates from other uh, chocolate producers in Ireland as a treat, you know, regularly, because I think we deserve that at the moment, and it's, it's hard to, to treat yourself when everything is closed. I couldn't agree more. So everything that you've been through, and you've all this experience now of starting up a new business in very challenging circumstances, what advice would you give to somebody listening that's toying with the idea of starting a new business? So maybe they were working up until the pandemic struck and now for whatever reason they are unemployed and you know it might be quite difficult to get a new job at the moment but they're looking for a new challenge and they have a few business ideas what advice would you give to them um 
be honest, I really wanted to, to start my own business for a long time. And I think I really needed this push. You know, I really needed, it, it would have always been a, a difficult thing to quit your job and start a business. You know, it, it's really scary, especially if you have a young family or anything like that. Um, so I think this was the push that I needed was um, to find myself in an uncertain world of employment. So um, for anybody else, I would say like, I suppose what I've learned from starting a business is maybe always, um, you know, look for other people's help, you know, like where you can afford it, like hire professionals to help you and ask for help from family and friends. I, it's something I suppose I, I would have struggled with initially would be to ask for help. I wanted to do everything myself, but um, I think I wouldn't have been able to do this without the support of my husband, having him driving around, delivering around Limerick. He's the lovely delivery driver that everyone has probably met so far. Um, and without my parents, I suppose, helping me out, you know, childminding where I needed, you know, the, the help for a few hours and things like that, I suppose. And I've had friends, my, one of my friends has been helping me do my website because she's been um, on maternity leave. So she's been very helpful. There's, the support of people around you is the most important, but I think, you know, now's a really good time to, you know, brave it and go for it because um, it, it's, you know, it's, there's a good opportunity there. Like people are looking to support Irish businesses and um, if you can if you find yourself unemployed and nothing to do, I think it would be a great move. I mean, if there's no job for you to, you know, create a job for yourself, you know, that's what I feel. Yeah, what have you got to lose? Exactly. Better time to take a risk in an, such an uncertain world. <laughs> We should talk quickly about the significance of the name Bra. Yeah, so um, I suppose I was trying to find a name that was kind of like short and, you know, like kind of catchy. And my husband is from Edinburgh. And um, I suppose we have like a, a good Scottish influence in our lives. And um, so we um, we went through loads of names and eventually Bra means um, pleasing like or lovely. And it would be similar to the Irish word like Bra, you know, so... Um, Raw, just it felt like something unusual and a talking point. So um, I thought, like a lot of people still are, like, oh, okay, I get it now when I explain it on Instagram or something. But um, yeah, no, it's it's, um, it's a Scottish way to be. There's actually a few businesses in Scotland, Scotland already called Raw, which I've come across. Um, but I'm www.raw.ie, so it's, it's easier to find me. <laughs> so if people want to go on to that web address then and be very pleasing this Christmas and buy some of your bars and other bits and pieces there for gifts, that would be absolutely fantastic, especially based in, in West Limerick. We want to support our West Limerick businesses and you're you're living in Adair and I live in Adair yeah my parents live over in Kildangle so I'm regularly all over the area delivering as well you're you're West Limerick through and through so it's important to support our own Anna so nice to talk to you congratulations on the new business continued success and we better let you get back to I'm sure you still have plenty of jobs to do at this time of night Plenty of chocolate still to be making at this area. <laughs> Enjoy that and thanks again for talking to me. Thanks, Sharon. Cheers. Bon appetit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Thanks again to Anna Coffee Lynch and to my other guests this evening, Ron Forrestal and Courtney Sheehy. And that brings us to the end of the programme tonight. Thanks for listening in and until next week, stay safe, wash your hands, wear a face covering. Bon appétit. 
Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!